Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight the street capitalists. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday the 26th of October. This is Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow. And uh, I think, did you get that day right? I think you did, um, which is good to to see. That's right. Um, thanks to Solidarity Breakfast for another great show. And that uh, um, music is, is actually really apt for us, I, I think, uh, Giselle. The title was The Perfect Answer. And uh, that's what you get on this uh, show by uh, Paper Plane. So we can do Paper Planes as well. But um, there you go. Thanks, um, thanks for that. And I, I'm just shaking my head, Pierre. Nothing more to... To say on that. That's right, that's right. And of course, uh, Giselle, what's the, who's bringing you this uh, great uh, radio program every week, uh, day, week in, week out for the, oh, I don't For the know, last I mean, 34 years? Something like that. This <laughs> the show, Asia Pacific Currents, is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. You can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms. That's right. And um, we've got the usual roundup of uh, news stories. And um, before I actually um, uh, give it to Giselle to um, say what the interview is, just to just to note that there's actually been mass protest in uh, Iraq again uh, overnight. We don't have the latest news, but there's been many deaths again. So we'll bring them um, next week. But um, Giselle, you've got the first item of the mini news, but also... Yeah, let me the- tell you what's on in the second part of the show. So uh, there is a, a, an organisation called the Alliance of MENA Socialists, MENA being the Middle East and North Africa. Um, We've been doing some work and discussing uh, lots of projects with the Alliance of MENA Socialists. They've had a number of international um, phone calls and discussions and these are recorded. So we'll also post a link um, to one of the recordings so that you can listen to it as well. But we're going to bring you just an excerpt from that. So these are calls that involve um, socialists from uh, from Venezuela, from Iraq, from Iran, from the United States, from Algeria, uh, Libya, I think was one of them. Um, but what I and China. So what I've done is I've isolated uh, two of the answers of the comrade from. China so that you get a little taste of what gets discussed on these calls. And the comrade's name is Kevin Lin and and the call is being moderated by a woman called Selma Umari. Uh, so we'll introduce that in more detail in the second part of the show, but that is what we'll hear. Sounds fantastic and it's great to see that there's so many more of these uh, international meetings happening and then uh, and I think we can see that more and more people are looking at each other's struggles. Um, we go with, uh, with the first one, which is um, talks about it's a very much a, a global issue. Go for it, Giselle. So this is uh, about 
about um, the struggle of journalists, right across journalist workers right across the world at last week's 2019 Global Investigative Journalism Conference in Hamburg in Germany. Maria Ressa, the CEO and executive editor of the Filipino news agency Rappler, explained how, in a period of just over a year, the Philippines government filed at least 11 cases and investigations against her and Rappler. She was arrested twice and has needed to post bail eight times. Maria was a main guest speaker at the conference to highlight the increasing pressure and repression against journalists and news outlets. According to Reporters Without Borders, 84 media workers, professional journalists and citizen journalists were killed in 2018. Maria ended her intervention with a call to fight repression, media censorship, hate speech and false news while there's still time. Of course, that links directly to an Australian um, journalist workers campaign for press freedom, which we uh, saw explode on our newspapers in the last week. And the IFJ, the International Federation of Journalists, has picked up the Australian journalist campaign. That's right, that's right. And uh, and we did have uh, Maria on the show a few months back. Um, we now go to Lebanon. Um, following on from the mass protests that shook Iraq early this month, and as I've said, they're still going on in Iraq, Lebanon has now witnessed uh, more than a week of almost permanent demonstrations. While the spark for the protests was a government proposal to introduce a new tax on the use of the social media tool WhatsApp, and the... The local context is that the uh, phone companies are so expensive that most people use these social apps instead. The reality was that huge layers of workers and their communities were seething with anger after years of austerity, corruption and growing levels of inequality. Remarkably, given the turbulent history of Lebanon, these protests have not been sectarian in nature, occurring from the south to the north of the country and attracting demonstrators from all ethnic and religious groups. A number of government ministers have resigned. New policies have been promised by the government. Um, Repression has been less severe, fortunately, than uh, has happened in other countries, but the protests are still continuing. Uh, And in India, almost 50,000 workers employed by the Telangana State Road Transport Corporation in Hyderabad have been on indefinite strike since the first week of this month. The workers are demanding the pay rises that they were granted in 2017 and for the Transport Corporation to be merged with the state government as it's hemorrhaging money. The chief minister of the state uh, labelled the strike as illegal and unauthorised and that the workers who participated in the strike would be considered as self-dismissed, in other words, that they quit. In the last couple of weeks, as a result of the pressure of being on strike, two striking workers have committed suicide. I like, I like how these um, bosses always come up with new terms, self-dismissed. Uh, we go to next door to Bangladesh, where a recent investigation at the supply chain of uh, Lululemon, a luxury athletic apparel retailer that trades on its ethical philosophy and commitment to community, has found that workers at its garment factories in Bangladesh face daily harassment and receive poverty wages. Now, when we mean at its garment factory, of course, th- th- these companies never employed workers directly. It's all supply chain and subcontracting arrangements. The man- Women workers received 
uh, only around 110 US dollars a month in salary, which is around um, 80 US dollars less than what is considered a living wage in Bangladesh. And uh, they also face verbal, physical, physical and sexual abuse from management. This uh, abuse, as the report uh, states, increases when women are pressured to work long hours of overtime to complete big orders. Now, recently, Lululemon, the um, retail company, partnered with a UN agency to promote mental well-being for its international workers by focusing on self-care training. Not surprisingly, independent unions are heavily repressed in Bangladesh. So there you go, Giselle, self-care training. That's what we need. That's right. Resilience building, (laughs) mindfulness, etc. And yoga. (laughs) Uh, Still in India. Well, yours wasn't, but my previous story was in India. (laughs) Around 400,000 bank workers covered by the Bank Employees Association and the Bank Employees Federation of India, so two separate unions representing bank workers, they, they together went on a 24-hour strike earlier this week. The main reason is a government's proposed a merger of 10 public sector banks into four big creditors of global scale. Workers see these mergers as the first step towards full privatisation of these new entities and the beginning of major job losses at these banks. Um, they think that the banks will try to cut costs in order to compete in the world market. Now, Giselle, what number of workers did you say in that? I think I'm out Four- of my- 100,000. Yeah, 400,000. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's amazing when you talk about India, the, the numbers of workers that we talk about. Um, uh, we now go to Cambodia, where the five-star Naga World Hotel Casino in Phnom Penh, um, the, um, at this hotel, the Labor Rights Supported Union of Khmer Employees of Naga Hotels has struggled for almost two decades, i.e. 20 years, for workers' rights and union recognition against a hostile management. In May of this year, the union launched a renewed campaign for a collective agreement for the staff of the hotel. In, in response, uh, in uh, September, management suspended the union's president, Chim Siha, for a- allegedly breaching company rules after she assisted a union member being harassed by security guards over union materials in her bag. Last week, a mass meetings of the union's more than 4,500 members unanimously confirmed their commitment towards fighting um, Sita's suspension and continuing their struggle for a collective agreement. Obviously, it's a huge hotel if they've got 4,500 members, which is fantastic. Now, Sita, who is, uh, uh, is also a RUF Asia-Pacific Regional Youth Committee and RUF Women's Committee member, is backed by the UF, who has started, um, which is the International uh, Food Producer Union of, of Food Workers, RUF. Yes, correct. Yep, who has started a global solidarity campaign in support of her and the rest of the workers at that hotel. And in South Korea, last Sunday, over a 1,000 migrant workers rallied in central Seoul in a demonstration supported by the Confederation, the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions. The workers' main demands were for the freedom of migrant workers to change their workplaces and the abolition of the employment permit system that is used to suppress their ability to organise. In addition, they want access to OHS guarantees and social welfare entitlements as the rest of the Korean working class. Oh, sorry, so they want the welfare entitle- the same welfare entitlements as the rest of the Korean working class, as well as an end to the private visa and employment system that they have to go through to work in South Korea. 
Sounds very much like the uh, demands that almost any migrant worker in any country would uh, would say. Yes. Um, we know our last um, item, we go to Australia, where one of the Australia's richest men, mining magnate Andrew Forrest, and his Fortescue Metals Group, FMG, last week lost an appeal at the federal court against a Western Australian native title ruling over a huge tract of all-rich Pilbara land in northwest Australia. Two years ago, the Yinj and Bundy people were granted native title to 2,700 square kilometres of Pilbara land. FMG appealed this decision to grant exclusive native title to the group. Maybe they wanted native title as well. Um, Citing concern about the high standard of engagement with traditional owners and, their, and, their, and FMG's ability to mine these lands. So in other words, FMG has to talk to them. Um, what's the world coming to? Sorry, that was humour. Um, following the loss, FMG is considering an appeal to the High Court of Australia while the Yinjinbandi people will seek compensation from that mining company for, the legal, for this uh, court battle. So um, we were just about to make a comment. Oh, no, no, he just had a smile there. Always nice to see my presenter, co-presenter with a smile on her face. But anyway, we'll go. it's um, just about 13 past 9 o'clock here on uh, Asia Pacific Current, uh, broadcast every week on 3CR Radio, your favourite community radio station. We'll have a quick community announcement and then we'll be back with our feature interview. From October the 28th to the 31st, some of the worst climate criminals will be gathering for the International Mining Conference, IMARC, at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Blockade IMARC is an activist alliance committed to putting a stop to the mass destruction caused by extractive industries across the globe and the harm they cause to communities and ecosystems. We need your help to be part of this blockade. Find out how at blockadeimark.com or check out our Facebook page, Blockade IMARC. A 3CR supporter. It is 14 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. I mentioned before that the Alliance of MENA Socialists conducted an international call um, with a bunch of activists from across the region, but also outside the region, including Asia and uh, Latin America. I've isolated the conversation with Kevin Lin, who is an activist and researcher of China's labour movement. He co-edits the open access journal Made in China that analyses labour and social movements in that country. He worked on uh, building international labor, labor solidarity and is a contributor to Jacobin, Labor Notes, New Politics and New Labor Forum. The facilitator is Selma Umari. She's an Algerian French member of the new anti-capitalist in France and member of the Alliance of Mina Socialists. She is involved in anti-racist struggles as well as international solidarity. She'll be asking the questions here and Kevin is answering. The first question now for each one of the each one of the speaker is, what are the various uh, labor struggles currently taking place in your country? Please include uh, in your in your answers uh, women and oppressed minorities, migrant and slave labor. So uh, the first one uh, is Kevin Lin, if he can answer to the first question. Uh, thank you. Um, 
first of all, thank you for the invitation and just the opportunity to speak along with so many uh, really experienced and great organizers and, and activists. Um, to the first question, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that China has been uh, one of the epic centers of labor struggle um, in the last 20 years. Um, on average, there are several thousands of strikes and protests by workers in China. Um, we don't have the precise number of strikes and protests uh, because the, government, the Chinese government uh, refused to release any statistics on strikes, but uh, credible uh, estimates and uh, records of the number strike, you know, put China, uh, you know, in, in a position where you know there are just massive, uh, massive strikes and protests. Um, the main form of labor struggle in China uh, is by migrant worker, rural migrant workers, uh, and that has to do with the fact that uh, in the last thirty years, uh, China has been um, industrializing and urbanizing, and uh, the uh, there's massive uh, rural to, uh, to city uh, to urban migration, and so a huge number of, of close to two, closer to 300 million uh, uh, migrant workers, rural migrant workers, are now being employed in the construction industry, in manufacturing, and in, also in the service sector. Uh, I and because of the conditions uh, are as such are so dire that uh, a lot of migrant workers have been organizing and they have been organizing without the, the assistance or support of the government controlled trade union federation, the old China Federation of Trade Unions. So those are strikes and protests are what we call welcome strikes. So they are organized entirely by workers themselves. Um, so women are very often uh, at the forefront of the struggles. Uh, not least because China has a huge export sector, and for a lot of the export sector, uh, factories like to uh, employ uh, female workers because there's a stereotype of women being uh, docile and being um, obedient. Uh, so there has been a, a huge number of uh, female migrant workers uh, in China. But obviously, the, the truth is that worker, uh, female workers are very militant. Uh, they are very often uh, uh, organizers and leaders of their movement. Um, but not only in manufacturing, uh, increasingly there has been more and more labor struggles in, uh, in, the, in the service sectors. So for example, uh, retail workers who work for work at Walmart stores or uh, uh, truck drivers, uh, taxi drivers, school teachers, uh, all of them have been organizing uh, by protesting, by suing their companies. Uh, and so increasingly, there are not only labor struggle in the manufacturing sector, but also uh, in the very broadly defined uh, service sectors. Um, so uh, in the last four years, uh, as well as this massive um, labor upsurge, uh, there has also been a very severe repression against workers and activists uh, in China. Um, this has been going on since at least 2015. Uh, but in the last year, uh, it has become uh, significantly more severe. Uh, and that was uh, because there was a, a, a unionization drive 
by a group of workers and activists uh, in the city of Shenzhen uh, in southern China. And they face a very severe uh, repression, reprisal both from the company, uh, but also from the government. So in the last year, there have been more than 100 workers and activists uh, being arrested and many, many more being harassed. Uh, and of course, this has taken place in the context of China's economic slowdown. Even though the Chinese economy is still growing at a very uh, high rate, 6 to 7% a year, uh, it has significantly been slower. The growth rate has been slower than 10 years ago. Uh, and of course, there is also the context of the escalating uh, trade conflict between China and the United States. And that has made the Chinese government very nervous about the prospect of labor unrest. And that, that is also a contributing factor to the, uh, to the step up, to the increased repression in China. So overall though, however, workers continue to protest and strikes. Uh, I think the, the, just to conclude, the, la the largest barrier is the lack, the, uh, the lack of freedom of, of associations. So on the one hand, you have massive number of workers going on strikes. But at the same time, uh, workers are not allowed uh, to organize their own unions. So those strikes tend to happen uh, uh, individually at individual factories. Um, and if they want to link up with, with workers elsewhere, they again very often face very strong repression uh, by the state. Uh, so nevertheless, uh, I think as China's economic uh, slowdown continues, I think we are likely to expect more labor struggles. Uh, but I, at the same time, um, uh, I think the workers and activists face a lot of repression and definitely need a lot of international solidarity. So now we are going to the second question, uh, which is, what is the specific character of capitalism and imperialism in your country? To what extent have labor struggles in your country responded to these realities and to what extent have these labor struggles fallen short in responding to these realities and why? So, Kevin, can you answer to the second question? Yes, thank you. Uh, and it's really just inspiring to hear uh, all the other speakers uh, sort of discussing the, the labor struggles in their countries. Uh, I simply just see so many similarities uh, across uh, different countries. So it's really a lot of shared struggles. Uh, to the second question, um, I think you know we see that China has been going through a extraordinary uh, period of economic growth in the last three four decades. Uh, so that China has now become the second largest economy, uh, and it's very much uh, you know widely believed to uh, to overtake the U.S. in the coming decades. And this extraordinary economic growth is made possible by a government uh, by a state that is willing to help business to exploit workers. And the result is massive exploitation, but also inequalities. So China is again, one of the most uh, unequal societies uh, anywhere. Um, so, I, you know, the, the second part of the question about imperialism, I think is very much um, linked to the first question about the particular form or character of capitalism uh, in China. Uh, but let, let me just quickly say, you know, in terms of being a promoter or a victim, um, China has been both. Um, so China has uh, been a regional uh, power for centuries. Um, 
but from the mid 19th century to the to the early 20th century, China uh, came under uh, imperial um, ambitions and influences. Uh, there were major European and, and Japanese power um, uh, trying to cover out, uh, you know, ports or, or, or uh, lands in China. So it was called the Central Humiliation. It's basically a, a century of less than a century of um, imperial imperialism uh, in China and Hong Kong, which now sees a lot of protest uh, at the moment. It's kind of like it's, the Hong Kong situation. Uh, the fact that Hong Kong was a British colony is very much a legacy of of that European imperialism in the 19th century. Um, and uh, after the Chinese Revolution of 1949, uh, China continued to face a very hostile West uh, between the 1950s and 1970s. Uh, what changed is uh, in the 1980s when China began its capitalist transformation. And that has enabled China to become the economic power it is today. Uh, what it also has done is to make China a re again a regional power with increasingly increasing global outreach. Um, China's political influence in the Asian Pacific region and its investment, trade, and aid beyond the Asian Pacific region uh, in, in in the Middle East, in Latin America, in Africa, have set chi have set China. Has to become a imperial power globally. Uh, I should say that China. Uh, I don't think China is is uh, is. Uh, I, I don't think China is uh, already a global imperial power, just because it's it's and it's nowhere near the uh, the kind of you know the scale of your in terms of the political influence and the military power. It's nowhere near uh, the the power of the United States. But nevertheless, I think China is on the path to become. Uh, not only a regional power, but a global uh, power with, with imperial uh, ambitions. Um, and what this means is, you know, in countries uh, like the Middle East and, and North America uh, and Latin America, etc., uh, you began to see the impact of Chinese investments on local politics, on, on workers, on, on labor conditions. Um, and that is very much a result of the particular form and character of Chinese capitalism. Um, which you know have have been have, having already industrialized the country, it is now exporting uh, its capital globally, and it's it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, uh, trying to get extract resources from places like Africa uh, and Middle East uh, and Latin America, etc. So China's sort of imperial expansion is very much linked to the specific character of Chinese capitalism. Uh, to what extent labor has ha struggled have uh, respond to this? So there's a history of Chinese labor movements um, organizing against um, imperialism, most uh, importantly in the 1920s and 30s. And more recently, uh, Chinese workers have been organizing against uh, foreign capital. Uh, that, that is uh, investment from other countries in China uh, that exploit workers. Uh, what, uh, what the labor movement has not been able to do uh, more um, right now is to look at uh, uh, is to organize around uh, Chinese investments overseas. Uh, and that's again in part because it's still very early days. So people are still trying to figure out what to do with Chinese investment. Uh, nevertheless, uh, it is very encouraging to see a lot of labor activists and, and labor rights groups uh, in China, in Hong Kong, are beginning to do research uh, uh, about Chinese investments uh, overseas and the impact on labor and the environment. 
And I think that's a good start in terms of understanding uh, and understanding the impact of Chinese investment and, and Chinese political power. And also, as I think, a good starting point for uh, linking up and and um, and establishing connection with unions and workers uh, in, in countries where China invests. Thank you. Thank you. Now it's... Uh... This is Irene Bolger, former secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses' dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there, broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR. Radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. It is 28 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. That is bringing us right to the end of the show. I will just tell you that you were listening to Selma Umari interview Kevin Lin um, about general labour movement issues in China. Very interesting uh, interview, if I say so myself. A very good idea to uh, to borrow that uh, in- interview. And uh, we'll put the link on our podcast. So if you want to see the rest of them, just uh, over the next few days, we'll uh, have the podcast up and um, you can um, follow the whole uh, discussion. But that's really the end of the program for today. We'll be back next week with another um, wide-ranging program of Asia-Pacific Currents, bringing you labour news from the region. That's all from me. I was I was going to say very quickly that we are trying to get that story from Lebanon um, and I did, I was trying to write to our comrades there, I was getting frustrated that they weren't answering and then I saw all of the videos of our comrades in Lebanon and of course the w- woman I was trying to get a hold of was chairing the rally so it explains why she couldn't respond to me but we will um, try and bring you some coverage of uh, these uprisings in the Middle East. Could have just done a live cross from the rally. I don't know, but yes, true, true. We'll give we'll give the benefit of the doubt. All right, that's uh, that's all that we've got today. It's uh, goodbye from me, Pierre, and me, Giselle, and stay tuned for Palestine Remembered.